And another thing And another thing And another thing And another thing Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing podcast. I'm your host Tony Clement, our Co-host Jody Jenkins uh, cannot make it today, and he sends his best regards. So I will be taking over the reins today. Firstly, we want to thank our sponsors. Of course, our presenting sponsor is John Mutton and Municipal Solutions, Ontario's leading MZO firm. So if you need development approvals, permit expediting, planning services, or engineering, or building permits, you go to municipalsolutions.ca and you will get your needs satisfied there. We also want to thank Julie, the Muskoka chef, a female owned local food services company that services the Muskoka Lakes region all year round. They have on-site and off-site catering, private chef experiences and micro wedding catering services located right on Lake Joseph. So go to the muskokachef.com or call Julie directly at 416-846-3653. We also want to direct you to Looney Politics. We have a specific podcast that we do for them. Go to looneypolitics.com and subscribe and get 50% off. And finally, this podcast will be rebroadcast on terrestrial radio at huntersbayradio.com. Our special guest today is Pierre Polyev. He is the Member of Parliament for Carleton. He is a candidate for the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada and ultimately for Prime Minister of Canada. Pierre, welcome to our program. Good to be with you. So I know we have you on the road and and thank you for taking a bit of time to speak to our audience as well. I guess my first question is, you've obviously been campaigning for months for leader now. What's been the biggest surprise for you this leadership so far? The level of interest, we signed 311,958 new members to join the Conservative Party. They are enthusiastic and want to take back control of their lives. As you know, Tony, the party typically has only about 100,000 members total. I sold about three times as many of that all by myself. Uh, That shows that people are taking to my message uh, giving people back control of their lives and making Canada the freest country on earth. Now, this freedom message uh, obviously has resonated, as you've indicated, big time. There are others who have said that uh, you shouldn't have built your campaign around freedom, uh, that uh, that's uh, some sort of dog whistle or something. What are your thoughts and your reaction to that? Well, look, I... I I think John Charest's campaign has said that freedom is a, is a dog whistle. I think freedom is the foundation of our country. It's the reason why 300,000 immigrants come here every year. God knows we don't come to Canada for the weather. Um, and so uh, I find it strange that a, a, a self-described conservative would be so afraid of the word freedom. Freedom basically means that you can maximize control of your life Do uh, whatever you want, as long as you don't hurt others. And I think that is uh, the hallmark of, uh, of our civilization. And uh, normally you don't even have to talk about freedom that much because you can take it for granted. 
in most times uh, in a place like Canada, but it, it's like oxygen. You only notice it when it's gone. And lately, our freedom has been under attack as big bossy government has taken your money and told you what to do. Um, whether it's the excessive uh, COVID controls early on or more recently, the vaccine mandates that have shut people out of jobs for, for making a medical decision. Uh, now, more recently, uh, the requirement that you, you download a particular app if you want to exercise your constitutional right to cross the border uh, or the government trying to censor what you see and say on the internet through Bill C-11, or the loss of economic freedom as growing government has priced people out of the essentials of life because government is inflating the cost of everything. People don't have the freedom to buy a home or eat the foods they prefer or even have the freedom of mobility that uh, it requires you buy gasoline to get around. Um, these freedoms are under attack, all of them, because government has gotten too big, too powerful. And my goal is to reverse that to, and to, so that we can go back to having big citizens and smaller government. Who'd have thought that freedom would be controversial with some people, eh? I mean, uh, that was not on my bingo card. No, I, it's, uh, it used to be just a consensus position Everyone agreed that we should be free and that politicians and government should be servants and not masters. But, you know, uh, political elites took advantage of a very real health crisis in order to grab more power for themselves. And this isn't not my allegations. They said so. Um, Christian Freeland said that COVID was a, quote, political opportunity. Uh, and from the very beginning, Trudeau tr attempted to use COVID as an excuse to give himself all kinds of new and unjustified powers that were unrelated to the pandemic itself. And then what they tried to do is um, gaslight anybody who disagrees. So if you disagree that you're scary, that you're going to spread a virus, and that you're uh, um, spreading disinformation, um, that is uh, just become an ad hominem attack on anyone who dares speak out and disagree with them, but I've decided I'm going to, I am going to disagree with them and I'm going to stand my ground. Now, some uh, have called you a populist, but I, I, I kind of see you as a common sense conservative. Can those two concepts coexist? Well, you know, sometimes these, these labels that it's, it's hard to know what people are even referring to when they use these these labels, right? Um, I'm on the side of everyday people who work hard, pay their taxes, and play by the rules. I, I like the term common sense because it refers to the common people. And um, our system is meant to serve those people. That's why we call it the House of Commons, yeah, right? Um, exactly. The government can't spend what the House of Commons hasn't approved. No regulator can impose a single rule without having the commons pass a law authorizing them to do so. The government, the executive can't wage war, uh, you know, without having um, House of Commons approval for it. So all the big decisions about money and rules and foreign policy and war all have to be approved by the House of Commons in our system. Uh, and that's by design because we believe in our parliamentary tradition that the common people uh, have the ultimate wisdom and they should be free to decide for themselves. 
and uh, I stand for that principle, the commoner ahead of the, of the state and uh, the, the citizen ahead of the government. Now, you've had, uh, I guess for years, you've had concerns about inflation. Uh, you've uh, you've uh, expressed those concerns for many months and years now. The Bank of Canada has recently concluded that it did not take the threat of inflation seriously until very recently. Do you feel uh, vindicated by that? Unfortunately, I do. I, I began warning about inflation around the midpoint of 2020 because the government was printing so much money to pay its bills. They had added about $400 billion to the money supply. That meant that about one in every $5 in circulation uh, was created or has been created in the last two years, give or take. And more money chasing fewer goods always equals higher prices. Uh, lately, it's been trendy for um, so-called economists to claim that that relationship between money supply and inflation is gone, that that's an old-fashioned concept that's been left in the dustbin of history. Well, until it wasn't, and it's all the same rules of mathematics and economics uh, they, they persevere throughout time. It doesn't matter who's in charge. Uh, it is the same uh, cause and effect uh, outcome. And here we are with 40-year highs in inflation. House prices had been up a full 50% in two years, although they are reversing now because the bubble that the government inflated is now bursting. But um, we're, we're, this is my real concern, Tony, is it's not just that people are paying more for consumer goods. It's that all of this cash was introduced to the economy through debt. Uh, that's how governments introduce money into the economy. The government buys bonds, which effectively lends money out to the government and to the financial system. And that debt just uh, expands across the economy. So uh, now uh, to, to tame consumer price inflation, they're raising interest rates on the debt that they created. And households, businesses, and governments are having to pay uh, a bigger price for what they thought was a harmless um, financial transaction only a short time ago. The Bank of Canada, in fact, said, don't worry, we won't raise interest rates for the foreseeable future. In fact, when I asked the Bank of Canada governor what happens if rates go up, he, he almost looked at me like I had three heads saying, what are you talking about? There will never be a rate hike. Rate, rate, rate and what do you know? That was only a year ago. Here we are with rates having gone up tenfold. You're talking to the government, the, the bank of Canada's uh, policy rates up tenfold from 0.25 to 2.5. And all of that then reverberates through mortgage, through consumer debt, through corporate borrowing, uh, through government debt. All of them are paying more. And so the question is how much more can these sectors afford to pay before we start to witness insolvencies and bankruptcies. So is part of the solution uh, uh, radically changing Canada's fiscal policy then? Is that what you're advocating? Well, fiscal policy is at the origin of the problem. Um, monetary policy had, had been cut, become nothing more than a tool for fiscal policy. It's not supposed to be. Monetary policy is supposed to promote price stability, inflation at 2%. Um, but in the last two years, um, the bank governor has been printing money for the Trudeau Liberals to spend, which has caused the inflation that we now suffer. 
But had Trudeau not been overspending, there would have been no need to print that cash in the first place. So it always starts with government overspending, and uh, that's what we have to contain. We, we need to get rid of wasteful programs, cut unnecessary bureaucratic waste, and then finally bring in a firm legal limit on government spending with a new dollar-for-dollar dollar act that requires the government cut a dollar of spending for every new dollar, sorry, uh, for every new dollar of um, expenditures that it brings in. So just like your household, if you decide you're going to spend you know, an extra two grand on vacation, well, then you spend restaurant outings throughout the year. Uh, the government has to do the same. They have to look internally to find the savings so that they're not just padding, their, uh, padding the taxpayer uh, with more debt and more bills. Well, as a former Treasury Board president, I certainly endorse that uh, that way forward. Certainly, now you yes. Well, I, I know you had a, you had to work very hard after the Great Global Recession to find the savings that allowed us to balance the budget in 2015, and, and that wasn't easy. Uh, but it is necessary. And unfortunately, Trudeau squandered that. Yeah, it, it didn't last for long, I'm afraid, Pierre. <laughs> that's that's for sure. After we left office, now uh, you've also talked about things really not working in Canada anymore. Uh, complicated things like approving pipelines, but also basic things like passport uh, passport renewals or using our airports. Is this a Trudeau failure or is this a failure of state capacity or is it a bit of both? I think it's government trying to do too many things. Um, so you have, here you have Trudeau uh, wants a new daycare program, pharmacare program, dental program. Uh, he wants to get the government into infrastructure banking. Uh, he wants to regulate what you see and say on the internet. He's got all these ideas on all these new things government should do that it has, the federal government has not done in the past. But he's not doing the basic core responsibilities. It is It has always and must always do. Uh, so they, are, they can't deliver passports. They can't run airports. They can't deliver EI uh, to applicants on time. They've got 2 million people waiting the queue to immigrate to Canada. This is, I think, the biggest immigration backlog ever. Um, and uh, so the, the core mechanical responsibilities of government are not getting done. And yet he wants to do a bunch of other things. Um, you know, and my view is that the government should do a few things well rather than a lot of things poorly. Let's get back to basics, deliver good core services, and get out of the way of everyday people so they can live their lives. I know you don't want to count chickens, and I know you're working very hard. In fact, uh, maybe uh, your uh, our listeners should know that you're on the road right now in northern Ontario. Is that right? In Timmins, Ontario. So I know you're you're busy making sure that people get out to vote in the leadership contest. But there's a lot of talk recently about party unity as well. What do you think is the best way to unify the party after the leadership? Well, I think we should unite around simple uh, freedom. Our fiscal conservatives want economic freedom to spend their own money and start businesses without government. The way social conservatives want freedom to raise their own kids with their own values. Uh, libertarian conservatives want freedom of speech. Freedom on the internet. Rural conservatives want freedom uh, over their property and their lawful firearms. 
progressive conservatives want women, minorities, and first nations, and all Canadians to be free from discrimination or persecution. And so these, uh, I think these different groups of conservatives disagree on many things, but they uh, are united around the basic concept of freedom that uh, the citizen is master of the state, his servant. And uh, I think that that is a principle that can pull our caucus and our party membership together. Last question for you. Uh, there's been, uh, I know it's summertime and uh, the, the Ottawa media get bored, but there has been speculation of an early election call, possibly as early as this fall. Are you ready to take on Justin Trudeau as early as this fall? Well, I'll be ready whenever the election comes. Um, that said, uh, I have no idea why Trudeau would call an election. He just called one less than a year ago. Um, so he's already interrupted his mandate once early, um, and voters punished him for it. He had a diminished result. Um, if he were to do it again, people would be enraged that he doesn't seem to want to actually do the job, rather to keep uh, running for election, demanding a promotion. Um, so I would be surprised if he did, but if he does uh, make that nonsensical decision, we would have to be ready to take him on. And I, I think uh, it's pretty clear that uh, you've got a team in place in caucus and elsewhere, uh, but you, you intend to build on that team. It'll, it'll be a, a full court press. Well, the parliament, parliament gets back, I think, on the 18th of September. So we intend to uh, gather our parliamentary team to fight for taxpayers against inflation, to bring back common sense delivery of services, and uh, to restore confidence in the government. That will be our focus in the fall. And uh, we, our team will be ready to, to, to make that case and prosecute the government's failings uh, when we get back. I know I said last question, but I'm wondering if you could just give a bit of a shout out to Anna, your wife. Uh, I know she's been very, very busy uh, at the home front, but also helping you campaign and she deserves some commendation, right? Yeah, she's been phenomenal. Uh, Anna is uh, obviously uh, not, not just the mother of my ch children, but also my best friend and best uh, political advisor and the uh, love of my life. She's been on the road for much of the tour. I'd say about half of the stops she's come on. She always gets on stage and gives a rousing introduction. I sometimes worry that people are going to favor her over me for prime minister. Uh, but um, they, uh, she's a, a fighter. She comes from a refugee family, started her Canadian life in Montreal, uh, was born and raised, born for her, her early childhood was in Venezuela. She brings a, a great uh, life story, a lot of like a common sense experience, and uh, she's a real problem solver. So I'm very glad that she's part of helping, not just uh, obviously my, my, my life, the most important part of my life, but also helping guide our campaign. She, you really can't uh, ask for anything more than she's provided. Well, on that note, I know you have to get back on the road. So Pierre Polyev, uh, thanks for joining us today. Excellent. Thanks very much, Tony. Really great to be with you. And I know you love Northern Ontario. So thanks for some of the tips I want to see up here. You got it.